This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of Inner Healing Paths. I'm your host, Rosa, and this episode is titled On Healing Through Mindful Moments, Prevention and Artistic Expression with Manuel Fonseca. So Manuel is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He has been providing mental health services for over 15 years. In our conversation today, we talk a lot about the importance of mindfulness for overall healing and prevention. Manuel shares about his personal journey on how he became a therapist. We also talk about his journey as a professional ballet folklorico dancer, and we discuss the artistic expression and how this in and of itself can be such an important part of holistic healing, regardless of what your form of art is. Um, for those of you that don't know, Manuel and I actually worked together at a psychiatric clinic a couple years ago, and I got to see Manuel and how amazing he is as a therapist and as a person, and he was just so lovely to work with, so I was so happy that he agreed to be on my podcast and agreed to share his wisdom, and I, I just hope that you find it so helpful and healing on your own journey. So I do want to give a brief disclaimer that the the conversation here, although we are both mental health providers, it is not meant to replace or substitute mental health services of any kind. This episode uh, does not uh, treat or diagnose any physical or mental health condition guests have a right to share their opinion and perspective and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. I want to remind you all that if you like what you listen and if you're finding it helpful on your journey, please share about it on your social media, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. This really helps to be able to reach more people, to be able to share our message to to more folks. And again, thank you all so much for listening. So without further ado, here's the interview with Manuel Fonseca. Take a listen. Hi, Manuel. Hi, Rosa. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for being here and for being open to this invitation to be. Absolutely. No, thanks for the invitation. (laughs) Of course. Of course. So let's get started. Are you ready? I am ready. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. So uh, Manuel, just to get started, just share with our listeners a little bit about you and, and the healing work that you do. All right. Well, a little bit about me. Um, my name is Manuel Fonseca. I am a licensed marriage family therapist. I'm actually from the Bay Area. So I've been doing this. Uh, I reside in here in the LA area. I've been here for, gosh, over 20 years. Actually, what brought me to LA was the focus to become a therapist. Um, I grew up in the 80s around the HIV and AIDS epidemic in East Oakland. 
And um, I was motivated to come into this field through my parents. They were um, they were health promoters, promotores de salud, health promoters in a local clinic nearby. And they, they volunteered their time and learned about topics in the community. And they were really active members in the community. And they actually assigned us, they didn't ask, they assigned us as siblings, myself, my twin brother, my sister, my brother, who were four of us. And they said, you know what? All right, guys, you guys are attending this, this youth group. You know, we're the oldest, my twin brother and I. And we had no choice but to go. We were, you know, doing our school thing and our sport thing and our active social life. And they said, and you're doing this. So we said, okay. How old so were we showed, you? Oh, gosh, I was what? Uh, gosh, 13, 14? Okay, so you're yeah. young. Yeah, and so they've been, been, been doing it for a while, you know, learning about topics in the community, health issues. And around the HIV and AIDS epidemic, that's crucial because, you know, a lot of information was not being provided. So they thought, you know what, they're in the right age to be teenagers and to learn about it from, you know, from the horse's mouth, if you will. And so um, it helped them facilitating conversations to have with their eldest sons about, you know, safer sex, um, uh, health, uh, drug, alcohol, gang prevention. So it was a really great uh, opportunity for us to learn. And that's how I kind of got the the itch to become a therapist. Uh, fast forward 15, over 15 years now, I've been in the field for a while. And um, I really credit my parents as those people that uh, pioneered my motivation. Oh, how <laughs> wonderful. So it's you've been, I mean, formally, I guess, as a licensed therapist, but, you know, more recently, but it, you, I mean, you still have a lot of experience, of course, but it seems like it's been like your whole life that you've been involved in this capacity in, in leading others to through education and, and community. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yes. It's, you know, it was, again, I made it a point to say in the beginning, it wasn't a question or a, a option. You know, my parents, ¿Quieres hacer esto? do you want to do that? No, they said, you know what, you're doing this. And they, and I guess as parents, I, I credit them to this day. They meant well, and fast forward, I credit, all of my career to them, you know, inciting this motivation, you know, this having this expectation, right? Rising to that and going beyond it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And Manuel, tell us a little bit about what your focus is now in terms of um, as, as a therapist, what kind of folks do you help with? What kind of folks do you work with? All right. So I have my private practice in uh, Long Beach area in the city of Lakewood. Um, I've had it, uh, gosh, over uh, over a year now. I worked in several uh, sort of clinic settings, nonprofit organizations, uh, hospital setting, not a managed care system. Um, and I've always had the itch to do private practice up until again, sometimes again with the pandemic, now with the pandemic you know, that we're in, it was a kind of a blessing. Uh, yes, difficult times as well as really positive. And so I have to I have to credit my family support, my partner support to say, you know what, now is a good time to do what you wanted to do. So I've jumped into this opportunity and I, I, I see patients with, with histories of trauma. I, I speak Spanish, hablo español. So those servicios a personas hispanohablantes, Spanish speakers, uh, focusing on multicultural uh, you know, issues, generational issues, anxiety, depression, trauma. I specialize in men's issues. Uh, sexuality, um, also the LGBTQ T plus community, 
I, I have uh, lots of experience working with dual diagnosis, with substance abuse, also with the uh, recently um, uh, released uh, population that was in jail. So I try to have this big umbrella uh, to, to provide services to people that are in need in those areas. Yeah, absolutely. And what would you say is like the golden thread throughout the, 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 the people that you serve, that you work with? What is it that you find that is just um, common, I guess, and throughout these these populations, what is that golden thread that kind of just just nourishes you and, conti- and continues to motivate you to keep doing what you do? I love how you phrase that, the golden thread. I, I, I visualize it. I, I felt yeah. when you said that. I love yeah. it. Um, what really brings this together when the golden thread is this... Um, search for the aha moments. And I'm using sort of common language, aha moments that really drive me in therapy and drive me to do what I do with to assist patients, assisting them to make those connections that are troubling them in their today lives that may have some historical, some generational traumas, mm-hmm. some unresolved issues that are impacting them today and that may not allow them to see forward in in their future plans or their future goals yeah so so well said and 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 i feel like that's how it is for for a lot of therapists you know many of us work with a variety of different populations but there's always something that we tend to i guess what we what just human nature, right? What we, what everyone has in common, right? And, and for, for, for you, it's just serving and, and being able to, to be uh, of help in whatever capacity there or whatever, wherever they're at, right? Starting where the, where, where the client is or the patient is. Mm-hmm. And um, when it comes to, to your own, you know, views on healing. And so, you know, my podcast is titled Inner Healing Paths, because I, I firmly believe that there's so many different ways that people heal from, from life adversities and traumas and wounding. So from, you know, just from your perspective, how would you say that healing happens? Um, you know, how, how do you see healing and how does, how does that happen from your perspective, from your line of work? Thank you. You know, when I hear the word healing to me, what comes to mind is helping the client, the patient, the person sort of build on their courage and strength towards like that self-reflection, kind of what I said earlier, kind of that finding that aha moment in search of that aha moment. And by that, I mean, you know, I, I usually sort of help the patient, help the, the person uh, sort of understand what therapy is, sort of the common, you know, I know telenovelas and movies and media, and society may have a different approach or a different idea of what therapy is. I really sort of address that from the very beginning. And I thank them for being there, just for choosing to want to explore themselves and sort of break down some of those myths, you know, just to kind of establish my role. And I'm not here to change them or, you know, really just to allow that sort of safe space for them to get started. And I, I use this sort of, anal- I use a lot of analogies. I see patients individually face-to-face as well as Zoom as we all do with this pandemic and phone. Yet my approach is very sort of visual in, in providing visuals. And I use this, um, this idea of, of, you know, I, I ask the patient, think of a marathon. Okay, marathon, long distance running, right? Beginning, 
long sort of ending. And I say, you know, can you run a marathon tomorrow? And they're like, oh no. I go, yeah, no, not even the best. I mean, I do cardio and I think I, you know, I'm, I'm on my Peloton every day. I, I can't do, I can't run a marathon tomorrow. So how is it that we're, you know, experiencing life with a marathon of emotions? How are we, you know, not conditioned to run a marathon yet we are here, we are trying to. So I, I kind of use that idea to, to then begin approaching a healing process by conditioning right, helping to condition the patient, the idea of training for this marathon of emotions that life brings us. And the basics of, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a physical uh, trainer, but again, I'm using that idea of, 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 of you know, the basics of, you know, uh, breathing, right? Having that, you know, that approach to run a marathon takes strength and willpower as well as mental and emotional strength. So I use this sort of introduction to therapy on that conditioning process. (laughs) No, I I love that because it it speaks to the, the concept that I firmly believe that, you know, we're all on this and I know it sounds a little cliche, but you know, it is, it is really a journey. I don't think there is a a final destination per se when it comes to healing, you know, when it comes to working through uh, what we've experienced since maybe since childhood, you know, it is very much a journey and, and this concept of the marathon, at least when it comes to therapy, is like uh, I, I think therapy is almost like it, it, it's you're building that strength, right? Your tolerance, mm-hmm. uh, like if mm-hmm. you're working out, building muscle. You know, it takes time. It's not something that you can just you know do from one day to the next. Uh, so I I, lo- I love that analogy because you know so many people go into therapy initially with the idea that. Um, things happen quickly. Like I'm going to see a therapist and I'm going to be fixed, you know, yeah. and it's, and, yeah. and it, you know, it, it would be lovely if we could do that, but unfortunately we can't, right. Yeah. As therapists, yeah. we can't just fix our, <laughs> our clients. No. And, you know, yeah. and, and that's why I thank you. And that's why I use that, that, that uh, idea of, of the marathon, because it's not a, a quick sprint. It's, it takes some time. And, Absolutely. you know, and, you know, it doesn't mean that by taking your time, you're not going to get there. It just means that you're going to be in the moment. You're going to, you're going to pay attention to all aspects of your body, your breathing, your thinking, your feeling, right? The basics of CBT, cognitive behavior therapy. And so, and this is where the, the concepts and the idea, ideas of therapy go in to assist the, the client to, to understand how they can understand themselves within their own journey and their own process. Yes. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and just because really is a part of the healing mindfulness or being learning to be present is at the core. I mean, it, it really is even for trauma, you know, I, I specialize in trauma, and even for that, that is the, where we start, you know, if we can't stay present by definition, you know, being traumatized is the inability to stay in the present moment. So because our brain, our sensory, our our nervous system hijacks, you know, which is part of the triggers and the flashbacks hijacks our, our, our reality in the present moment. So learning to stay present is a big, or I think just a huge, or just, I don't know, everything that has to do with healing healing trauma so so and it again it's one of those things that it just takes time and being patient with ourselves as we go through that process is 
It's so important and it's so hard, right? I'm sure you experienced it. Just people just are tired. They're overwhelmed. They're tired of feeling the way they're feeling. It's like, I'm just, I, I just want this to, to be over, you know? Absolutely. You know, and a lot of what you're saying is definitely, you know, I, I, I you know, part of my training also with my school uh, um, was to undergo therapy. A lot of us, sometimes some programs don't require the students to, some don't. But again, as as a person having gone through therapy and believes in, in, you know, continuous therapy, I I, I approach my new clients with that same sort of um, uh, idea to to help them understand. And then this is why I use these sort of images and, 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 and loose terms so that way they understand. I do want to, though, give them those opportunities to sort of you know, I would say sort of vent and sort of use the time in the beginning to kind of, before you get started with your workout, you kind of just, you know, shake off and kind of need to do that. And so I allow them for some sessions, right? And I explain, like you said, it, it's a process. You know, these ideas may, may may not seem sort of normal because again, the outside society isn't gung-ho about therapy or we're not all doing it. Imagine if we all did it, right? So it really is kind of breaking down some ideas so that they can uh, understand how it's going to help them. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you brought up something about our therapists being in therapy or receiving our own therapy. And I don't think, uh, people talk about this enough. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about amongst therapists, um, but it is, I think it is absolutely critical mm-hmm. to be doing the work within yourself that you're telling others to do right I mean it's and and I feel that um I I can personally I can look back at times in my life that since I've been in this role as a therapist that I had not been in therapy myself and comparing to the times that I am in therapy and it makes it makes the work that we do the healing work that we do sustainable for us as human beings right as 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 individuals with many different hats it, it it allows us to to do all the other areas of our life. So I, I, I am an advocate that, you know, if we're in the help, you know, if you're in the helping professions, if you're a therapist, that you absolutely need to be continuing to, to heal because there's a reason why we go into this field, right? I you're mean, the there's there's, anyone that says, I just, you know, I, I don't have any issues, any trauma. I just wanted to help others. I want to be a therapist. No, I, 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 I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. we all go in this field for a reason, you know, and a way to normalize it, Rosa, you know, a great point, a greater normalize it. Again, I use this in, in sessions with clients is, you know, it's not about having issues. It's not about who has them or how much, you, how many issues you have, it's what you do with them. It's how you process and work through them because we all, guess what, we all have them. Yes, we all, we all have issues. <laughs> you tell me somebody that doesn't, it's like, mm, well, yeah, are they exactly. Are they, are they in reality? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, we're human beings, you know. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I feel that especially for, for therapists, you know, I, I don't think that you can be at a point where you're like, I, because, you know, even working with, with people, they trigger something, you know, the counter-transference and transference, you know, that is real and it it happens. And and I've had a lot of therapist uh, friends and, and colleagues say that a lot of times when they're going through something difficult, somehow the universe has a way of presenting clients that are kind of going through the same thing you are. It's yeah. almost like the universe, you know, is giving you an opportunity through your healing work 
to help yourself also, right? Which is why it's so important to have your own space to process this. Yeah, Yeah. no, well said. I call those, you know, friendly reminders. Life has a way of giving you friendly reminders, right? For clients, for ourselves. And, you know, when I'm, and I'm open, I'm transparent with my clients when, you know, of course, with with healthy boundaries and clinical, you know, uh, oversight and everything. But the transparency part about, I'm a human being, you know, with a profession. And, you know, I say, you're the expert on your feelings. You're the expert on your experience. I'm the professional here to guide you, right? And I use, again, another example. The, my self-care outside of therapy is dance and performing. I, I've done this, done that for a while, for many years, many years professionally. And even the best dancer continues to take, you know, uh, one-on-one, you know, train dance classes, basic dance classes. The best football athletes baseball their trainer ongoingly challenges them with you know their basic training so I use those analogies as ourselves like you said as therapists ongoingly yes there's ongoing training for us yeah absolutely yeah and in many different paths right I I was talking to I was talking to a friend the the other day and I was I was telling him like you know uh I feel like maybe I'm doing too much for myself like you know I'm doing acupuncture and then I do physical therapy and then I have my therapist and you know yoga and all that stuff and then I was like maybe I'm doing too much you know and I was kind of processing and they were like well like they're like, you know, high performance athletes, you know, they spend, and she, you know, they quoted an article with LeBron James, I, you know, I I think it was. And he mentioned the article that he spends a million dollars on self-development a year, you know, like this is someone that, you know, that, that is committed to, to being the best version of himself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that he can be, you know, um, for his family, for his career, for his, you know, for his fans, for his, the love of the sport. So he, in, in this, and he mentioned, you know, he has a therapist and he has a a coach and he has like a meditation coach. He has, you know, all kinds of, of, of basically uh, a a system supporting him. So he he can just focus on, on being the best that he can be. So when, when they reminded me, I was like, that's true. You know, that I, I, if I want to show up for others and, and be, you know, the, um, not, you know, I'm talking about as the mother, as, as a wife, you know, as a sister mm-hmm. and all the roles that we play, you know, and of course, as, as a therapist, I, I do have to surround myself with a support system that nourishes me, you know, aside from, you know, friends and family, aside from that, we all need that coach, right? That, that, that coach, that support that help, help us um, to keep going, Absolutely. Great, great example. I, I, I'm going to borrow that if I, if I may, and of I'm giving you credit, give <laughs> credit. Um, you know, especially in the image I got when you shared the example, again, uh, an, another big motivation to becoming a therapist was again, a male, a male representation, a Latino male representation. Yes. Latino. Let's talk about that. Cause there yeah. is, you <laughs> are so, like, you're like a unicorn. <laughs> oh man. Thank you. There's you know, not but I, a lot like you out there. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, and with your example to, to, to show, you know, to, to, to show other males that may be on the fence for going to therapy or not wanting to attend therapy, if LeBron James with his talent and with his skill supports it by going to therapy and having all the support system how can how can that not be helpful you know just that I got that image when you gave me the example <laughs> ah, no absolutely it's like yeah. everyone I think people at, at that perform at that level they have that 
surrounding, you know, they have the best coaches, the best meditation teachers. You know, I think um, another example, Deepak Chopra uh, was talking about his uh, yoga teacher. So he has a yoga teacher and here, you know, he's, we see him as this, this guru, you know, when it comes to meditation and yoga and he has a teacher, you know, that he's still, he's still developing. He's still working through, I'm sure his own stuff, just being human, you know? And so it's something that, that none of us should feel embarrassed of. And I think that's part of the journey that I, you know, that I've been going through is that it's okay to, to take care of myself, you know, and it's okay to, to spend, um, you know, you know, money, you know, because a lot of times like, well, I could be using this money for this or that, but it's like, you know what, this is, you can't put a price on, um, on healing Mm -hmm. and and health and prevention. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, let's talk a little bit more about the, um, you you talked about, there's not a lot of men in this field of therapy, um, and, or just mental health in in general, right. There's not, um, it's mostly women and, and, what is your what are your thoughts on that and and you know what have you noticed in regards to just you your presence with clients what's the difference that people have shared with you of having you as a therapist versus you know uh uh someone else thank you you know um first word that comes to mind is just feeling feeling blessed to be in a position to to provide that representation you know both with you know um with female uh, clients that I've had in the past, uh, male clients, uh, transgender clients as well. The idea, again, just deconstructing an idea that society has built, you know, if you ask for help, you are weak. If you cry, show emotions, you're weak. And I get through the door coming men, people that are, you know, believing that idea, you know, having somatic symptoms all over the place, the relationships are not functioning. They, their own performance, you know, speaking of, you know, sports professionals, their own work performances aren't functioning. Their bodies are telling them, yelling at them saying, you know, you need help. But again, so again, when I say feeling fortunate, uh, feeling blessed to be in that place of, of, of assistance for those people is to, is to, again, show them that, you know, hey, here I am, it's it's okay, you know, first of all, it's okay, let's talk about what those messages do. And again, it's about sort of breaking those, those myths down, deconstructing those ideas down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just seeing uh, the, seeing yourself represented as someone else, that's huge, right? For any, any demographic anything you know just representation in that sense matters um to validate your experience too you know as a um you know for me you know i i for the first time actually i i've always had female therapists so you know and and then um, recently i said you know what maybe i'm just gonna try something different for myself you know <laughs> and i i my therapist now he, he's an older gentleman um he, you know the age of around the age of my father so it's very interesting I've never had that but it's been at this point in my life I I feel that it's been so so helpful to have that different perspective Perspective, and that different energy because there is an energy energy change right there's a difference being in in so for me it's been a very interesting um, but it's been a wonderful experience Um, so I'm sure you know I think I think a lot of, uh, because the, the field is dominated by women, I feel that most people, when they think of a therapist, they do think of 
a, a you know a woman so it's mm-hmm. been for me it's been a great experience and and i'm sure that you you've had that effect on on other people you know yeah no thank you and you know <clears throat> i've i've in in those sessions that sort of stand out the men that do get to a place where they are you know uh, healing and and addressing some of these painful uh, uh, past situations, any current traumas, they have said to me, you know, I, I, I feel comfortable even talking about this. You know, I don't talk about this to my wife or my partner or or my family. You know, I still get that. Oh, you, I need to be performing at a certain level. I need, I'm not the person to break down, and here I am breaking. So it's it's just uh, the the matter Absolutely. in which you know the what happens in therapy it's uh, I, every time i just i get goosebumps thinking this is why I, I, an affirmation this is why i'm here this is why i'm in the yeah. field that, I, that I'm absolutely in. it's <laughs> like we, we we get to, we have the privilege of of witnessing uh healing happen right there's absolutely. moments those like you mentioned the aha moments the, the, those moments are the, the, that's healing that's taking place you know that making connections uh, uh, realizations and insights that you're gaining that's part of the healing absolutely absolutely you know it goes to mind when i you know early in my training i had a handful of really great supportive uh, clinical supervisors and and one one specific supervisor told me manuel you know if you feel or when you feel or you think that you've reached that you know level of oh i i've got this or oh i i don't need the additional therapy sessions personally or any other support network she said you know what that's a red flag and I thought oh I love that yeah Yeah. you know it's about your own understanding of you not the absence of issues like I said earlier it's it's how you are understanding you and realizing what assistance you need in order to be that person to assist and I exactly. thought, oh, my goodness, you know, and like aha moment right there. And I and I constantly refer back to that. I refer back to yeah. that. That And interestingly, I'm I'm a clinical supervisor now with my from our university at Antioch. Yeah. Oh wow. And, and, oh, talk about full circle. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, blessed to be in that position. A lot of my sort of my my nuances from my own trainings come up, and I, I and I bring them up, and I say, you know what, that once upon a time, and I sound like like this full circle moment and the students are just like oh really and I find that connection just really helpful <laughs> yeah no absolutely and and you going yeah. back to what to your um your supervisor what, what they mentioned to you you know it, it, what brought to mind was the idea of you know symptom reduction versus healing you know sometimes people think that you only go to therapy when you need to reduce the symptoms of let's say depression you know you're not sleeping you're not eating or anxiety and then once that is resolved then you're done and i actually feel that it's the opposite you know once you resolve you know those those very you know those symptoms of depression once you feel like okay i I don't i feel better i don't have depression or i'm not as depressed i'm not as anxious that's when the healing happens because then that's when you're able to tap into the the other parts that you know some of the trauma and you know because depression anxiety make it really hard to to work on trauma you know it's at at a sure you've experienced this because it just the symptoms are are just so overwhelming you know they're not you're not eating well you're not sleeping well you feel restless you really can't you know but once you resolve that then it's the the 
that's when you you can really start working on what has happened. And mm-hmm. and and unfortunately, that's when people stop going to therapy. You know, that's when it's like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I agree. It's it's sort of the pressing the pressing the presenting issue, the presenting moment is that sort of uh, symptom dysregulation. Once that address, kind of like I, I use another analogy. You know, your car. You know, if your car makes a sound, do you keep going? Yeah, I keep going. Okay, if your car gives off a smell, like so, your car's telling you by sounds, by smells, by not functioning. Oh, gotta go to the mechanic. Right. Once you go to the mechanic, right, therapy, you know, we're going to diagnose, assess, address the symptoms that are presenting. Right. And then when when the mechanic's in there says, you know what, actually, you know, these other areas could be, be helpful if you look at. Right. I love that again, analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I use a lot. Of, again, I get I get a lot of males that come in and sometimes yeah. I, I tap into these ideas and roles that could maybe have the buy in so that they can be open to the, you know, the treatment modalities, yeah. the, the process that open up their own journey. And, and once we tap into, you know, th- they're open and, and the healing begins. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, like you, with the analogy of the mechanic is like, you don't wait till the, or hopefully you're not waiting until your car breaks down or you're, yeah. you know, because that could take, if you have a relatively new car, you can technically get away with not changing the oil for a while. Right. But eventually it might be a few years, but eventually it will break down. And at that yeah. point, it, you know, you know, it's going to cost you a lot or you might have to get a whole new car. So it's like that, right. That like, yeah. don't wait till it's completely out of service. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Meaning yeah. It's, until you're really, really struggling that you feel like you can't even function and show up for work. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea is also, you know, uh, how to pay attention to yourself, how to, how to notice signs that something may be off. I'm not in my A game. Okay. Well, what does your A game look like? Well, I'm usually, okay when you know how does it how do you feel when you're off okay and and then having that sort of insight to know to get to know you as a person yourself i tell patients all the time you know i'm not here to you know you know your answer i'm here to guide you to get to your answer right i don't know your answer right you're the expert in your experience so i, I say that from the beginning so that way they're they're kind of open to oh ex- that sort of exploration part I'll ask questions or kind of get to know each other Right. The goal is to address some of those issues while we address the presenting and then open it up to to other areas of healing. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And you you mentioned, you know, with like we don't even know what when we're starting to to really struggle like we, we because I think so many people are so many of us are on autopilot you know we just continue 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 we let things go like oh there's a headache again coming up okay I'll just take you know take some Advil and keep going keep going or I'm tired yeah. I didn't sleep again you know and you just keep going you're on autopilot you don't even realize that and when you start getting headaches, it means that you're actually stressing out and you should, you should slow down, but we just ignore it, right? We just yeah. think, oh, there yeah. goes the headache. It's so annoying. And we just keep going. Yeah. So learning these to, to see these early signs is, is critical for, for our, just our well-being in general. Yeah. And, you know, our society trains us to keep going. Our society says, don't rest, take a half an hour lunch. <laughs> Good luck with digesting your food, but more hours, keep going, keep going. So we're trained by, by our sort of workforce to just be those workhorses when in fact, right, 
ouch, something hurts. Well, that's a sign of weakness. Okay, well, let me bandage it up. And, keep, and we are, are now decompensated. Why? Because we're so split between our emotions, what are we thinking, and how we're functioning that by the time we, you know, get to see patients, it, it's, it's sort of helping them understand how to sort of put them back together. <laughs> And absolutely (laughs) yeah absolutely society and and then also I feel like um you know it's just like there's there's so many layers too depending on like the intersectionalities of of your gender and race and you know there's even added layers through all these systems of oppression that sometimes you know we feel as um you know maybe you know I'm talking about myself as a Latina and as Mm -hmm. a woman you know I feel like I have to keep going. I, ha- you know, like I am a mother and I was like, I, you know, and it's all a lot. And a lot of times we're conditioned through our parents to see that they worked really hard for, to, you know, why, why should I not, you know, so we conditioned to, to, to struggle and to work hard and to just take it, you know, to just, mm-hmm. to just take the hard work because that's, we we're lucky we even have work, you know, that kind of idea. Like, for, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So breaking those, something you know generational patterns almost right of oppression yeah you know and I I like that you say that because it again the way you know in therapy is sort of creating that safe space to even address those and I I, and you know I, I find that in my career I've learned through my clients that you know we're seeking validation we want to seek some sort of validation from someone, from oneself, from people. And, you know, almost also in, in search of that validation, there needs to be some kind of permission given to be okay, to, to not be okay meeting those expectations, those layers of expectations. You know, um, my, my point is, you know, being okay to feel the basics, being okay to feel, being okay to say, you know, I'm hurting. Yes, I'm expected to do what I need to do as, as my role in my family, my society. I am still human and I'm hurting. Like I want to get to that place, but right now I, I can't because of these pains, these emotional anguishes I'm going through. My point is, being okay to give them that space to not be okay is okay. <laughs> Am I making my sense? Yes, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's so beautiful that it's, you know, what you're saying is that you're allowed, you know, you you are entitled and, and you, your your whole experience is the good, the bad, the ugly, they're all valid and they're all welcomed. You know, they're they're all welcomed here and they're all uh they they all are worthy of feeling and experiencing and 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 I, and I get also the, you know the sense of acceptance and surrender mm-hmm. of this is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. so powerful to have someone to witness that with. Yeah, no, thank you. I had a, a recent. I've had a client in the past where they were struggling with the their professional in their in their career. They're you know um, uh, overcoming some generational trauma. They themselves are. Uh, on medication for um, mood factors and in, in, in their in their diagnosis, and you know, struggling with uh, self acceptance, their sexuality, their spirituality, and again, in, in one of the sessions, uh, 
that sort of permission, like, you know, I sort of embodied for them and presented for them after I even use the word, you know, give yourself permission or, you know what, in this space, you know, let's bring that up. And then addressing how to deconstruct some of these ideas that are keeping them sort of, you know, in their space. They said, wow, thank you, Manal. I just needed to hear that, that I, I can have that permission to go against that spiritual religious idea, to go against that, you know, idea of, you know, masculinity. And they said, all I needed to hear was you say permission, that I have permission. And I thought, okay, you know, just again, seeking validation, giving one permission to explore. Yeah, absolutely. That, that you you know just giving yourself that permission but if you don't have that, a lot of times you know that's why people search you know they go to therapy because they're they're looking for that validation they may not even think about it in those terms sure. but when they hear it reflected like what you just shared it's just it's so powerful because it, it gives them that they it, it, you know it's almost like it empowers them to honor whatever is coming up with their you know, spirituality or sexuality, whatever it is, is, is like it empowers you to own that and to be okay with whatever is coming up in that regard for you. Yeah. 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 Oh, so beautiful. And, and tell, you mentioned that you're a dancer and a performer. So can you tell us yeah. about that? That sounds, I, I know a little bit about it, but I want you to share. Thank you. You know, again, growing up in tough times, I, my parents were just, you know, they've always been against the grain. They've, they're the youngest in their generation of siblings. So as the youngest, they've seen experiences of what to do and what not to do, right? They've legally immigrated to this country, hardworking. And they said, you know, this is the idea that we have to raise you guys. I asked my parents, how'd you guys? They're like, no, this is the idea. Keeping you guys busy, making sure you guys are, you know, no tiempo para, you know, hacer cosas malas you know so it was always sort of that expectation right so it came from a young age that I thought you know what they they're not dancers or performers but I found it as a hobby I found it as a support network in college I've always wanted to do it when I was younger the means I my two with twins they couldn't afford you know classes and lessons and for both people so I waited until I was actually in high school I started and then did oh, it sort okay. of semi-professionally in college. And then after college, I thought, I'm doing this professionally. Just as a, again, self-care and just that other side of me that's, you know, the professional therapist. The other side is this dancer that's my outlet. Yeah, that your healthy. creative art, yeah. art, artist side or part within you. Well, so tell us what kind of dance you do. So I, um, I, uh, have learned uh, the traditional Mexican folk dances. Now with classical training and dance, like formal training of, of dance positions and dance concepts mixed in together in a blender, right? So you think this, this, this traditional art form with mariachi music and Mexican folk with this elevated training of performance of, of, of dance style and training, it's, it's, it's a great sort of uh, mix that comes together. Oh, sounds beautiful. And, and yeah. in the, since the pandemic, have you been able to perform yet? Or you're still, is that still on hold? For now? It's still on hold right now. Oh, Great question. Yeah, yeah I, I tap into my friends, dancer friends and miss them dearly. Because again, it's a big part of, of just my my being because it's it's that side where I do my work. And then I do my, my formal dance training work, which 
the the athlete in me comes in and the, the perseverance and the sweating and all the all the good inner work happens. I really, I've missed it for the last couple of years, but definitely, hopefully, with the pandemic getting better, uh, tapping back into that definitely it's, it's an area that I need to I need to go back to. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it really fulfills you in a different way, nourishes you in a different way that only that can do you know that yeah, as, yeah, as a performing yeah. artist yeah absolutely yeah, well you know the the energy the the, the what I, I find in myself what i what i know that i need to work on and whatnot but strive to to improve um the energy with the audience the energy within a team you know the energy with my directors uh, it's uh i could go on and on but um the funny point is my parents said how did you end up doing this professionally we're not dancers. We're like, I know, huh? Yeah. Uh, you know, you you never went to school in Mexico. You never said, like, yeah, we went to, on vacation. Nos llevamos de vacaciones. But I said, mom, it's, it's, it's Mexican blood is in my nature. I mean, it yeah. Was it's in your blood. Yeah. It's, in, it's in my nature. It's in my blood. And and yeah. I've, I've had great experiences traveling to Mexico on tour, traveling to Mexico as, a, as an artist, learning more so from being there. And just being in this pocho or Mexican American, learning this art form in Mexico, they see it as wow, you're you you guys are into this. It happens in, you, in the you're US. You're interested, <laughs> yes. Like, yes. So it's just an interesting connection there, but um, yeah. it's definitely fueling, definitely a, a, yeah. a, an aspect of my life that I miss. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, for for us, you know, my my parents are from Mexico too, and you know, it is in in our blood, and it it is our very much reconnecting with our ancestral roots because this is where we come from maybe not with our parents but who know i mean for you i don't know maybe who knows how many generations back this was something you know maybe three four five you know who knows yes maybe this was something that was that has carried on and then it finally found you to to come back you know absolutely absolutely when i was in my intern uh training days I, I actually founded my own dance company. I did it for six years that I, do, I did my intern hours. And then I was doing the talk Amazing. about busy, busy doing stuff. And I was yeah. also doing that. A lot, and I bring this up because a lot of timing and the way things, the way the, the universe has a, way, a bigger picture plan for you, right? I, I tap into now, you know, being a clinical supervisor and sort of, you know, instructing, directing, guiding I, I tap into my my teaching days as a, as an instructor or dance instructor that I uh, interestingly I would bring in mindfulness concepts not in as a therapeutic approach but more so a learning and human approach a humanistic approach uh, mindfulness awareness of your body right when when you're in pain right literally if you have a cramp take time out for yourself make sure that you listen to your body don't strain it where it's going to be that you can't dance anymore right understand your limitations know your strengths, know your weak. So a lot of this is really full circle. And if I wasn't, you know, in doing therapy, I definitely, I, I history and, and, and teaching and, and anthropological, you know, cultural awareness stuff drives me as well. That's amazing. I, <laughs> that resonates with me. I can relate to you on that because I'm the same way. And, and you know, I was, there's a book called um, the artist's way have you heard of it it's a very I'm gonna make a note of it artist it's, okay, it's a really good book but what's interesting is that it says in the very first chapter that therapists and this is not written for therapists but the author talks about oh. therapists many many of the therapists people that go into this profession are actually 
artists at heart. And when we're not yeah. able to fulfill, I get chills just in saying that. <laughs> yes, and it's when we're sometimes we're not able to fulfill this this creative part within us um, through some artistic way. And the closest thing to that sometimes is channeling that energy that creativity to help others in the therapy room you know in the, in the because if you really think about it therapy it, a lot of people don't think about what I do you know therapy is very much it takes a lot of creativity you know it does and, and sometimes people take that for granted but the more you let's say you you know you take all these classes and workshops and then you have a patient in front of you you, I don't know if you do this, but you have a patient in front of you and you're drawing, you're pulling from all these different theories and previous ex experiences with patients and personal experiences. And you're almost like you're sculpting this session, right? To help this patient that's in front of you. But you're, it's like a little, uh, it's like a creative process. It really is in that moment. Oh, wow. And sometimes when you're in that flow, when you're with the patient, you're, you're, you, then you really, I know I, I like, sometimes I reflect and I talked about mindfulness, EMDR, you know, child work, and, you know, it's, yeah. I talk about CBT, there's CBT and then there's this, you know, it's like this whole, and, and it's not an intentional process. It's not like I'm saying, okay, with this patient, I'm going to make sure I talk about yeah. CBT yeah. in my, <laughs> it just, it just kind of comes to you yes. in that moment. Right. Yes, so yes, that's yes. what the, this author is talking about. It's like in that moment we're we're channeling this artist, art, artistic part within us. Mm -hmm. So that's why she, you know, I, I think she's a, or she was a therapist. So she says, that's why so many therapists, um, continue with or, or somehow end up at some point later on in their life coming back to their art artistry whatever that may be mm -hmm. painting, mm -hmm. singing performing whatever it may be somehow they find their way back because this part is always there it's you may you may channel in a different way for a period of time but then uh -huh. you somehow end up coming back to it you know wow. so it's it's so it's a it's a great book so for those listening check it out and if you haven't it's it's a it's more of a workbook so it allows you to it's is meant to be very um like one, i think it's one episode or one episode sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh, one chapter a week so and I think it's meant to really um, study it, and it's it's a great it's a great book. So check it out. Perfect. You know, a couple of things came up when you said that. First, the chills on my mind. I'm like, mm -hmm. wow, I didn't didn't know that. Uh, first thing, I, you know, I when I work with youth, um, sometimes they say, oh, you know, I I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, or my parents are bugging me. I don't know. And so mm -hmm. I'll say I'll kind of say, well, what do you not want to be? Oh, I don't want to be a doctor. I, love I don't want to be. Right? And it gets them going, you know, because, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, my, I don't know the answer. I'm like, it's okay, but what do you know? And they open up. You're like, and then, and then so they'll good. say, yeah. thank you. And then they'll say, oh, but, you know, I really like art or I really like sports or I want to become a, you know, a dancer or whatever. And I said, okay, like, who says you can't? Well, my mom, I, they say I have to go to college. I, well, you can go to college. Oh, so I kind of give them this idea. And then they'll say, well, you know what? I also, the, the student, the patient will say, the youth patient will say, you know, and I also, I do like law in this way, but I, you know, like not a lawyer, but law. And I said, you know what? You can do both. You can maybe teach law. You can maybe be uh, the ballerina you want to be or the athlete you want. So the idea, and then they thought, oh, I didn't know I could do that. So when you said, you know, these talent, you can do both. You can, you know, be your creative self in your profession as well as a creative self in your outlet. You can do both now or come back to it in a later time. 
<laughs> yeah. And you know how many, ther- I mean, just the therapists out there that are doing art therapy, that yeah, are doing dance therapy, dance therapy and sure. movement, yeah. you know, so there's, there's already, you know, th- those are, these are examples of how you're combining both, right? Sure. But it doesn't have to be, you, you can, because mm-hmm. I feel like creativity is not, you can't compartmentalize and be like, I'm going to be creative in this part of my life and then not here. You know, yeah. it, 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 it transfers and the more, the more you nurture your creative part with the artistry that you do, whatever it is, performance or, or painting, the more you, you nourish that part, the the more the, the better you feel being creative in the in the you know helping your patients or your clients in whatever profession or even I mean even as you mentioned a lawyer or mm-hmm. any of these prof- you need your creativity <laughs> you Absolutely. need the, it, it, you, it, you your critical thinking skills right which is connected to creativity yeah. so so I, I feel that it's it's all connected, but sometimes we feel yeah. like I I can only do this or I should only if I'm an artist I I to be happy I, I have to live or I have to be able to survive and and my livelihood needs to come only from my and and sometimes that that is that happens you know of course yeah. but you know for most people it's gonna you're gonna have to combine you know absolutely to do, to do both and and I absolutely. think it's there it's still connected somehow. <laughs> Absolutely. And then the last point that came up when you said about the uh, therapist being artists, I used to work in a county system and um, signatures, you know, we signed documentation back in the day, right? I'm dating myself. There was a little, little acronym of where the signature, my signature as an intern went. And I asked my supervisor, what does LPHA mean? LPHA signature. And they said, LPHA, that's you, the clinician. I said, yeah, but what is, break it down. And they said, it means it's you're the licensed professional of the healing art. Oh, how beautiful. And I thought I love that. <laughs> I'm like, so to your point, I'm like, uh, wow, it's I'm in the profession of a healing artist. So yeah. I thought oh, with more so bring it. This is this is where I was meant to be. <laughs> yes, I love that. I had not heard of that, but yeah, I yeah. yeah, back in the you know, you sign off on charts. Yeah, that was the acronym but, used. I don't know if now it's still used. Yeah, the, the healing arts because it Licensed is professional of the healing arts. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, I think the more you know, sometimes our profession um, it swings all the way to being like evidence based, very science driven, very rigid, and we lose some of that um, the yeah. the artistry, right? The the the. Yeah. I guess the creativity, creativity that comes with it because yeah. we have to follow an evidence-based model and all that. Right. And I, I, it's interesting how sometimes that, that pendulum shifts, right? I, I think 10 years ago it was very, very strict, like, or maybe even further than that, but just um, very strict, like CBT, EMDR, and- following mm-hmm. all the steps. And now I get a sense, and I don't know if you're picking this up, I get the sense that the pendulum is shifting a bit to allow us as therapists more creativity and more freedom and flexibility to incorporate not just what science says, because that's important too, of course, but to also incorporate um, spirituality and Absolutely. other healing practices from, in, you know, more indigenous healing practices um, from different, different parts of the world. I'm not talking just a specific region, but not, you know, not just yoga because yoga in and of itself, it's, mm-hmm. it's an indigenous healing practice of a certain region, right? But it's sure. been so, it's so mainstream that we don't even see it like that, but there's mm-hmm. so many other indigenous healing practices 
from all over the world that that I feel that if you get called to working in that sense as a therapist, that you should honor that calling and explore Absolutely. that. And, and if in that and in a particular moment, you feel called to sharing that medicina, that medicine, Absolutely. to be able to do that. And I, I think that I get I get a sense that it's, uh, there's a shift happening where I, I think we are be we feel more comfortable within Absolutely. boundaries, of course, because we still have a license that we need Absolutely. to protect. Absolutely. I think a lot of us are feeling more like empowered to like i can show up in this way also and mm -hmm. be evidence-based you know well i mean we talked about representation in the beginning you know opening it up you know if somebody comes you know a latino mexican background person comes in with you know mal de ojo you know evil eye we can openly let's talk about what that what that means to you you know i have some sort of information or even in my own family some belief let's be transparent and sort of be representative of that and how that can maybe impact in the person in the moment, you know? So I think there's definitely open room for that. The, the openness to address those, those out of the box situations. Um, you know, the word back, back when I was in my training, the word, Oh, you can't be eclectic, an eclectic therapist because you have to follow one modality. I recently had to sort of embrace that word in my, clinical super supervision, when they had, the students asked me, what kind of modality? And I said, you know what, I'm an eclectic artist. I'm an eclectic therapist. You know, I'm open to a wide variety of, of, of orientations, not for me specifically, for my patient. If I'm, I'm just a one note or two couple note uh, provider, my patient is That's isn't. not art, right? That, there's no yeah. art in that. It's just- and There's no connection with the patient exactly. that may, may provides a series of other things. So I have to be open. Yes. To, to how I can assist the patient. Yeah, I love yeah. that you're you're uh, being uh, being okay with being an eclectic artist therapist, mm -hmm. <laughs> artistic yes. therapist. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Well, yeah, Manuel, this was such a wonderful conversation. I'm so glad we were able to to share this and and yeah. talk about these things. Um, you know, I know that. Uh, you know, I know you're in private practice, and, and for for folks that are listening and would like would like to get to know you or get you get to know your work a little bit better, or maybe even work with you, how can they find you? Do you have a website or any social yes, media? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. So my website is uh, manuelmft.com. I'll include it in the show notes as well. Thank you. And um, I, uh, my private practice is Mindful Moments with Manuel. I yeah. love that. Thank you. A city of honoring, yeah, honoring <laughs> everything we just talked about. <laughs> Absolutely. All in, yeah. in the phrase. Um, and I'm on Psychology Today. You can find me there. Uh, I, I, city of Lakewood, Long Beach area. But I, again, with Zoom and, and, and phone, and we, we can connect any which way. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Manuel. And I look forward to talking to you. Absolutely. Have, having you on the podcast. On I was going to say, if you'd like to have me back, I'd love to be a part Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Love to connect with you. It's been a couple of years. I can't believe it. And I'm glad I know. <laughs> I know. Definitely. Okay, Manuel. Take care. Thank you. I wish you all the best, Rosa. Thank you. Adios. <laughs> Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us. 
to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on, you can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast. And you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosachettilcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.